our Feast of St. Nicholas uh, observations with their kids. It'll be fun. So today is the Feast of, yes, that St. Nicholas. And it's odd to do this discussion today because, you know, for my family, Feast of St. Nicholas is always like a joyful thing. But today we're going to talk about Father Altman and the Coalition for Cancel Priests topic that he mentioned that I covered um, day before yesterday. Because yesterday, Father Altman had issued his response to those allegations in defense of the Coalition for Cancel Priests. And on top of that, I'm going to finally discuss, at least in brief, what I know about what's going on at Church Militant and why that story is a lot more complicated than everybody is talking about. At least for those who have heard some of the details, we'll, we'll go over here. So, um, basically, Tooth Twister asks, uh, well, he says, I mentioned the other day saying they're too bad there was no real journalistic outlet with a consistent and uniform orthodox voice. Does it go without saying that Church Militant might someday become or might function as something like that? Try not to sneeze. Still battling that cold. Um, I don't know. We'll see. They, there's, there are hurdles for them ever re recovering from what's going on, and we'll talk about them. Maybe I should just lead with that now, and then we'll just go with the Father Altman story just because it seems like we're talking about that now. So for those you may have heard, uh, I saw yesterday, like I had the information, but I don't like reporting things that haven't been reported elsewhere first. I just don't like doing it. But then I started seeing yesterday or the day before across social media, uh, clearly somebody within Church Milton is reaching out to various people with large audience to let them know the way I was reached out to, to tell people that there is an offer on the table to buy Church Militant. The offer on the table would um, put uh, Joe Gallagher in charge. Joe Gallagher is associated with the Coalition for Cancel Priests. He has a history with Church Militant. Um, as I understand it, Michael Vorce did incredibly good things to help this young, when he was a young man, help him come to know the faith and to just help him out of like really just bad material situation. I don't have the specifics about it, but I do know that there is that history there and that for uh, like really big fans of church militant, Joe Gallagher is somebody they know of and might probably approve of. He has an offer on the table to buy the organization and become its new face. He had apparently quit a year or so before to work with the coalition for canceled priests. One of the reasons he had quit is allegedly because of some of the, uh, problems that he saw internally in the organization that have now come to light. Uh, Joe was seen as the heir apparent for the organization. He was actually promised to be Voris's successor when Vor Michael Voris eventually retired. Um, and uh, Joe Gallagher has actually worked in Catholic news and in fundraising, which are key if you're going to be running a nonprofit organization of the kind that Church Militant has always been. He has offered a buyout to the existing board of directors. He has major financial backing to pull this off. Critically here, and I'm going to say this again with dispassionately as I can, but critically to this, my most interest is that he would his rescue package will save the 35 jobs that are there. The employees will get to keep their jobs and they will get something they've never had before. They'll actually get health care because Church Militant has apparently not ever offered the normal day to day employees of the company health care. That's something I'd heard about them from inside for a very long time. Um, CM search militant will actually have to rebrand. It will, um, we'll say less become less divisive and less it'll, it's going to tone it down a little bit and they're going to focus on the faith while I expect you'll still see news reporting. Um, and more importantly, it's going to create stability for them. 
but also there will be a new board of directors afterwards. There's a, uh, Joe Gallagher has a new organization called like Truth Army, something like that. They're on Twitter. You can find them. That they will be, be kind of the organization that is backing the new church militant. Um, there is opposition to this. Uh, Jim Graham, who is a former board member of uh, what we'll just call here because of our hosts' totally fair sympathies and totally fair standards, an anti-Moloch ritual group in Texas. And he's also was the former board member of Veritatis Splendor and has been in the news for various uh, personal alleged personal moral failings that I'm not going to comment on here. But he is uh, Mr. Voris's proxy on the board, apparently. There are three members who are very loyal to Michael Voris, and they want to have Michael Voris return to the company after he has gotten help for his own issues. And uh, the main opposition here being Mr. Jim Graham has been a, has a history of being a huge fundraiser for Church Militant. That is what is generally on the table right now for them. Um, that's something to consider. And for those joining us late, I will be getting to the Father Altman response here in a minute. We just, people were asking questions about Church Militant in the, in the chat. So that's what we're going with. Um, go ahead and hit like if you haven't yet, that would be great. Um, there's a, there is, however, a major obstacle just besides the existing board members who may not want to see an org the organization exist, at least for the time being without Michael Voris at the helm. And that's this, the courts could block this. Here's how I mean the federal, a federal court could potentially block this deal. There is a priest involved with this father Dallaire. He has been locked in a legal conflict with church militant for quite a long time. He's been in court and it looks like he's going to win against Church Milton and win big. There's pending litigation. Um, it's in New Hampshire. He's locked over there because Church Milton did a report where he alleges they defamed him. All signs are that he's going to win the case and that he could have a judge block the sale and transfer of Church Militant until his case is completed. That would be his, his legal right, even if he does not end up winning the case. And if he does win the case, it's, it could very well be the end of Church Militant. And that's apparently how fragile things are at that organization at the moment. And, and that might be one reason why Jim, uh, Joe Gallagher is trying to buy it. But here's a bit of the background on the Father Dallaire case. So um, this is the thing that I've seen people talk about this, but I've never seen anybody actually bring this up. So... This comes from an, uh, an independent news outlet in New Hampshire. Their bias isn't something we'd like, but they do get the facts here. Um, there was a mystery article or an article written and published on Church Milton's website anonymously, and they didn't apparently weren't exactly upfront with who it was. And now that person has been brought into the case, too, because they finally found out who it was. But I'm going to have all of this in my show notes today. Return to tradition.org going. It'll go live in about 45 minutes when the video for the day, my, my normal non-live stream video for the day goes live. And that video is about another bishop who's getting the Bishop Strickland treatment, by the way. <clears throat> Things are happening quickly. But here's a key takeaway from that article. Quote, the suit states that Voris started his campaign against Father Dallaire in January 2019, after the diocese barred Brother Andre Marie's religious order from calling themselves Catholic and put the group under discipline. If you remember when that happened, I do actually reported on it when it happened. They are considered the uh, Brother Andre Marie's group are considered a group of meanie heads by a group with no real account of uh, credibility, but they have lots of political sway. I'm not going to use the legal term they use there because it's a flag term on this platform. And the organization's name is definitely flagged on this platform, but they are one that when they speak, every organization on the planet seems to trip over to make to give them their way. 
The group appealed the discipline laid out in a decree of precepts of prohibition written by Dallaire, but the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome rejected that appeal because it was filed after the statute of limitations had run out. The Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, or CDF, this is now the dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, is a Vatican governing body that defends Catholic teaching from heresy and has previously dealt with Brother Andre Marie's group. Voris and his church militant company started covering the issue of the discipline against that group after precepts were published, and the diocese advised Catholics in good standing to stay away from them. Voris, who is based in Michigan, even traveled to New Hampshire to interview members of the group at their, at their property in Richmond. He did not interview Father Dallaire or any priest in the diocese as part of his reporting, according to the lawsuit. But it now seems he relied on someone else to provide the unvetted allegations against Dallaire. In an initial article published in January of 2019, Mr. Voris published multiple knowingly and recklessly false statements. This is against the law. This is the lawsuit involving the priest that we're talking about here. Concerning Father Dallaire's work performance, his fitness to serve as a member of the clergy, his ethics and other personal matters. These statements were first published in January of 2019 with no attempt to first interview Father Dallaire with little or, little or no investigation, and despite defendants knowing that what they were publishing was not true, the lawsuit states. In subsequent videos and articles, Voris and Church Militant claim Dallaire is not trusted by other priests in his diocese, that he does not do his own work, and that there have been at least three complaints filed against him. The articles also claim Dallaire is known to be incompetent by Catholic officials in the Vatican. According to the lawsuit, none of those assertions is true. As with all others of the statements in the article, Mr. Voris did not cite a source for this statement, and upon information and belief, his allegation was fabricated and not corroborated by anyone in Rome. As Father Dallaire has always completed all of his work with utmost confidence, once again is evidenced by his reappointment to all his roles as judicial vicar and vicar for canonical affairs, the lawsuit states. In the legal filing, Dallaire has promised to disprove the allegation from the articles. When the articles tried to make an issue out of Dallaire's purchase of a home in Amherst valued at more than $1 million. It has since been reported that Dallaire comes from a wealthy family and he purchased the home with his own money for his elderly mother, end quote. And it looks like the priest, Father Dallaire, is going to win the case and he's going to win it handily. And church militant can't afford that right now. Uh, they might not survive if he does. And I'm not saying anything about Brother Andre Marie's group here. I like them. I have a great deal of respect for them, like any other traditional religious group that's been canceled by Rome. And I frankly suspect there's a lot of misrepresentation of their position on hot button doctrinal and dogmatic issues that they're associated with. But none of that is relevant to our story here. The Father Dallaire case is essential to understanding what is going on with Church Militant at the moment. It is context. It's important context for the why there's an offer on the table to buy the organization. And with people don't understand that, that context, this is like looming over everything. And it may or may not, the organization may or may not simply survive if something doesn't happen. Meanwhile, there are board members who want to see Mr. Voris go get some sort of help for the issues he's dealing with and then have him come back. But I don't know if there's public capital, there's like social capital available for that to even be a possibility. Karen says it'll be, if they, if they lay up knocking a traditional church, that'll be a big plus. Yeah. I, again, I've never hidden. I, I don't really dance around this. They lost me when they went after the SSPX as much as they did uh, with the mystic monks and a lot of other things. A lot of those other kinds of groups uh, that afterwards was uh, just too much for me. And so I stopped watching them, but I also never talked about them just because I don't, this is, I'm trying to be as dispassionate here as I can when I report this, which is why I'm just telling you up front my own personal, like, how I never cared much for the organization. But again, I'm not trying to drag Mr. Voris's name through the mud here. 
he's already dealing with enough stuff as it is. He doesn't need any more people doing that. But the breach of morality clause, they've never said exactly what that was. There, it could, but there's, I've seen some reporting that suggests that it's more than just the stuff people associate Michael Voris with, that there's actually some financial things. That's what I've seen in some reports. It will all come out soon enough that I don't need to add to it. Linda Chris says, if possible, the Gallagher money option sounds like it'd be a really good thing. The entire situation is so very sad. It is. And this is why we're going to segue here now to the Father Altman thing that I'm about to give you. Because have you noticed here in the last few months, things are splintering on the traditional side of things, the broader traditional side of things, where, you know, Nova Sordo, conservative Nova Sordo Catholics who have the faith but maybe they're not on board with all of our liturgical claims and the ape of the church stuff on one side and all the way over towards um, the set of contests of goodwill who are willing to, who may not agree with, you know, recognize and resist, but don't hurl things like, you know, false trads of this and that. Have you noticed everything is fragmenting right now, very slowly. And this is just another part of it. Um, Rosanna is smart here by saying she doesn't trust anything, everything anyone says. No one's correct about everything. Yes, please. I, I haven't said this in a while. There is no magisterium of, of Anthony Stein. There just isn't. Okay. I am not infallible. Please. This is why I try to post my, my, the articles I use for my stories on my website. And it's also why when I heard this from the information I gave you from like phone conversation with somebody who's very closely tied to everything going on there and is an ironclad source, I still didn't want to necessarily go with it because I can't you know, just say, oh, here are my sources, this, this, and this. But um, yeah, so let's go to here. As you know, a couple days ago, 40 plus thousand of you watched my report on the Coalition for Cancel Priests and the canceling of Father Lavelle. Lovell, Lavelle. Let me, let me know in the chat how to pronounce it. Is it Lavelle or Lovell? Anyway. We knew there would be a response from the Coalition for Cancel Priests, and there's going to be multiple. And I have for you the first one. Right now, we have uh, Father James Altman's uh, letter on this. He wrote it on Twitter. I have it for you in full. I have to be you know, a little bit careful how we talk about some of the things here, but he's he, use, he doesn't really hold back. So for those of you who don't like Father Altman's tone on things, you're probably not going to like this letter all that much. But here is his response, and it's in full. And I will have a link to it in my show notes at returntotradition.org in about half an hour. Statement from Father James Altman, dated 4th of December, 2023, in response to John Lovell, James Gominici, and uninformed priests. Dear family, I write to you now as someone who has been a member of the board of the directors of the Coalition for Cancel Priests, a voluntary and unpaid position I have held for about 10 months. Over the years, you have heard me repeatedly teach about the rule of a lot. A lot of people have a lot to say about a lot of things they know nothing about. Interestingly, Bishop Callahan himself essentially once said this. These people, quote, cannot wait to tell you what they do not know. Such has been the case regarding John Lovell, James Comaniachi, and the priest signatories on a public release written on behalf of John Lovell. Unlike all of them, including Lovell, whose education and experience and personal deficiencies do not qualify him to lead a nonprofit corporation, I actually do know what I am talking about. While reading this response, please keep in mind the substance of Lovell's new public plea, 
Do not support the Coalition for Canceled Priests. No, support me. Send money to me. The public actions of John Lovell and those who unwittingly spread his disinformation have precipitated this response, and Lovell only has himself to blame for this response, which exposes just a portion of his actionable malfeasance during his time at the Coalition for Canceled Priests. I will, now will shed the light of day on facts, not fiction, exposing the fa past few years at the Coalition that will enable you to make an informed decision. Understand that a nonprofit corporation organized for a specific mission is not a personal fiefdom to be operated at the whim and caprice of any individual large and in charge. Rather, the board of directors of a nonprofit has a fiduciary responsibility to the donors to properly manage and maintain the assets donated by you, the faithful donors, as these donations relate to the very specific mission as articulated in the Articles of Incorporation. Please listen carefully. Failure to fulfill this fiduciary responsibility violates civil and or criminal statutes regarding the incorporation. It puts the entirety of its assets, your donations, at risk of IRS intervention. With all this in mind, understand that beginning about 10 months ago, the reconstituted board of the coalition began to investigate all aspects of management since the nonprofit's inception. As the investigation continued, new facts and circumstances demanded further investigation, to the point where the board hired an independent priest slash attorney to conduct an independent inquiry. Listen closely, dear family. The record, and contrary to his misrepresentation to each of you, John Lovell was offered opportunities to defend himself during this investigation, but, quote, lawyered up, and utterly has failed to cooperate in any meaningful way with the board and with its independent investigator. Only for the purpose of assisting you in comprehending the conclusions of the board, please compare the following differentiating between my skill set, all glory be to God, and John Lovell's. I have an MBA in finance and accounting from the University of Michigan, one of the top 10 graduate schools of business in the country. I worked for a couple of years as an accountant, both in private company and for a governmental entity. Therefore, I worked in banking for a couple of years and received training at the corporate headquarters for what was then one of the top two regional banks in the country. Thereafter, I entered law school and worked in private practice, running my own office for about a dozen years before entering seminary. During that time, I not only helped create some corporations and helped several fulfill their government requirements, I also helped found and operate a nonprofit focused on Catholic social services. Therefore, I entered seminary, was ordained, and for a period of just over 14 years, served as a pastor of two different parishes, one in central Wisconsin and then one in La Crosse. In contrast, and to the best of the board's knowledge, limited by Lovell's failure to cooperate with the investigation and investigator, Lovell has no formal business education nor experience, is not a lawyer nor canon lawyer, was ordained and only served as an associate pastor for about two and a half years, never served as a pastor, was canceled and, over a period of approximately a decade, waited tables or worked in other non-professional jobs. So, dear family, do not get misled by John Lovell's frequent grandiose assertion that he has been a priest for 17 years and all that st statement would infer or imply in terms of competence and experience. Also important to understand, dear family, is that it is not and never can be a question of whether someone did his best with whatever skill set one has or does not have. I could do my best as your heart surgeon, but I do not think you want me doing your quadruple bypass. Similarly, doing one's best is not the standard when it comes to leadership of a nonprofit corporation. John Lovell was utterly unqualified, educationally and experientially, to manage the coalition. This says nothing about the totality of the investigation of other things, including his managerial skills or lack thereof, as revealed during the thorough and independent investigation. 
Dear family, one last comment before stating my conclusions. If there's excessive turnover in board members, employees, and volunteers, one should ask the question, why? One should investigate and interview former board members, employees, and volunteers. The board of the coalition asked the questions, why, and did the investigation. Referring now to the rule of allots, the board actually knows what it is talking about. John Lovell, James Komonietzky, and the priests who signed the defamatory letter do not. So here's a, just a small part of the facts discovered by the current board of the past 10 months. Since its inception and under the essential leadership of John Lovell, for over two years, there were no proper accounting functions in the entirety of the organization. The current board retained a proper accounting firm, which then took months and months and months of reconstruction before the current board received its financial statements. Dear family, this fact alone, utter failure to account for donations and expenditures, is actionable malfeasance. Only within the last two months has the current board been able to discern how many priests actually applied for assistance, how many actually received assistance, and what forms did that assistance take. Dear family, the whole reason for the existence of the coalition hinges on just that simple inquiry, and it took until now before the current board had any sense of the answers to these questions. Worse than all of this, it appears that there has been repeated public overstatements and or misleading misrepresentations as to how many priests actually have been served. The board is working on this now. I can tell you who has been served, John Lovell. Absolutely contrary to the allegations he publicly puts forth by what I would call his proxies, Komenetsky and the priest signatories who themselves benefited by Lovell's largesse, John Lovell has been rewarded handsomely. Firstly, since cancellation in his diocese after a very, very short time of service as a, quote, associate, he always has received compensation from his diocese, which he himself stated presently was over $1,700 a month, plus health insurance. Additionally, he was being paid in excess of $50,000 by the coalition. Additionally, he received free housing, utilities, repairs, and maintenance, and all expenses related to housing since the prior board bought a half-million-dollar house in Crown Point, Indiana. Make no mistake about it, a former longtime waiter was rewarded handsomely by this nonprofit corporation. Additionally, he, in my opinion, was living large on the company expense account, which because of the utter failure to keep proper business accounting records, the current board still struggles to discern the extent. Further, since he was put on administrative leave during the pendency of the investigation to many allegations not publicly mentioned here or elsewhere, he has continued to live in that half-million-dollar house, which, facts would reveal, has not served any other canceled priest. Further, he also repeatedly was offered to apply for assistance through the coalition, just like we would expect of any other canceled priest to do. Dear family, there is not time nor space herein to go into 10 months' worth of financial reconstruction, organizational mismanagement, and actionable malfeasance. Nor do I have time or inclination to go into what I, in my opinion, was an HR, human resources, nightmare. So I will conclude thusly. For the first time since its inception, the coalition is being operated pursuant to statutes and the IRS code, and most importantly, according to its mission statement, like the nonprofit it was established to be. As I said at the beginning, a lot of people have a lot to say about a lot of things they know nothing about. I do not speak on behalf of all wrongfully canceled priests, nor on behalf of the board of directors. I do speak on facts I actually know. Now you have just a glimpse into facts, and not the absurd and actionable libelous or slanderous public statements made by Lovell, Komonietsky, or the priest who signed that letter. They should have known better. The board will address them in due time. God bless you all. Signed, Father James Altman. So there's the response. And that is the only the first response, because as you saw in the letter there, 
he says that the board will be addressing things. So I presume that means there will be some sort of public response to it. And minutes before going live, I checked to see if Father Lovell had actually responded, and I saw no response from him on his Twitter account. So we will see. I did get an email from them, um, not a personal email. This was clearly a form email, meaning they, and this was to my channel email. So it means that somebody went to my channel, copied the email address from there, and just added it to their mailing list. I love it when people do that. But they, it was a, like a fundraising email for their new organization. So take that to mean what you will. I don't think we've heard the last of any of this. It's unfortunate too, because while I fully support there being as many priestly fraternities for traditional priests out there in the same way that I expect there should be as many possible traditional religious orders for, you know, nuns and monks and the rest. And in the same way, I believe there should be as many organizations out there as possible supporting priests who get kicked to the curb by our wonderful Roman hierarchy these days. It shouldn't come like this. It shouldn't happen through internal fracturing of organizations. Um, I do want to address one thing. I was, somebody messaged me yesterday saying that they thought there might be some sort of a sins of the flesh involved um, in this. Unless I missed it, Father Altman did not make any reference whatsoever to that. Unless there was like, that's what he went in like the sort of vague statement about a human resources thing. But again, we don't know. I will say until someone brings such allegations and receipts for it, I won't necessarily believe it or even report on it. So until we actually have proof because again i really dislike reporting on issues related to regular priests and their problems because as i mentioned on my live stream a couple of days ago on the initial reporting on this it is so very easy to end the career of a priest it's so very easy and they don't need any of us piling onto them so what do you all think about this um Judith McRae says, Father Altman is the best. I said uh, Father Lavelle's name correct then. Okay, very good. I don't like getting names wrong, but um, <laughs> I'm not perfect. I don't always uh, get the name, get, get, get the pronunciation of important names correct. But I am curious what you all have to say about this story. It is an unfortunate one, but it, it does come with the territory. Um, it just seems weird that this is all happening in Advent. Uh, Darlene, yes, he was, uh, again, Father Altman was a lawyer, so I'm not surprised he could write a letter that is accessible to, to normal readers and also very clearly competent in how it was written. Um, Katie says Father Lavelle should answer the inquiries. That's all. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> close to it anyway. Yeah, but uh, we should watch all this unfold and remember, Pray for everybody involved in the story. Pray for all the, the everybody involved. Joseph asks if, uh, no, hold on. Raven Ray, there it is, asks if uh, the, the critique of the coalition board by Father Lavelle. Um, I mean, that it could be. We will, the truth will emerge one way or the other, folks. So let's not jump to conclusions here. Um, I would personally not go and do like somebody said they were going to be putting the coalition in their will. I would wait till this shakes out, but I also probably wouldn't cancel any donations one way or the other at this point. Just, you know, and if you have maybe fix that, 
wait till the truth emerges completely and pray that the truth does emerge. <sighs> Susanna says audit by an accounting firm is the way to go. Oh, I'm sure that's happening already. I am absolutely certain that that is happening. No, no one has told me that it's happening, but I would expect that the new board of directors at the coalition are doing that. And that might also be one of the things slowing down the church militant situation too is audits, because if there's going to be selling an organization like that, there will always be audits. They just, they're going to be. Yeah. Thanks. I don't like it that much. I'm very happy that the, the very close cut part of it thins out or, uh, fills back in pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, anyway, folks, thanks for your tuning in today. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.